whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to Mojo Sports Women in Gridiron Show Episode 2. My name is Stacey Spear and I'm again joined by my amazing panel. I've got a full house here tonight. I've got Beck, I've got Bliss and I've got Christy. And tonight we are heading across the country and having a look into the Gridiron West competition. So let's get straight into it and jump into the huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. We hit. Is that all you got? If you think it's only a man's game, well, you're sadly mistaken. Football is the exact opposite. Women can be aggressive. They can be physical. All right, so we're jumping straight into Gridiron West. And, you know, Gridiron West is one is interesting because it's one of the newest states in the Gridiron Australia competition. They started in 2017 with five teams at nine aside. And interestingly enough, the only WA Australian rep was Beast D-line Ryanna Edbrook. And she actually hadn't even played a game of full contact Gridiron prior to this. So they're a state full of talent, um, you know, Christy, in terms of the talent of that talent that we did see from them in the 2018 Nationals, the from the Raiders, their state teams, WA Raiders, how did they stack up being the youngest state team in the comp? Yeah, so um, it was so 2018 National Championship was uh, the first time we would get to see WA having just joined the competition. So they were an unknown competitor uh, opponent. Um, and I want to say I was really imp- very impressed, but not surprised. I just had a feeling. So um, we've all been there in that first few seasons um, of playing football when we're first kicking off. It's it's quite we we focus on the basics, probably the creativity is a little bit limited until until we really start to to get moving and grooving. And um, so uh, you would be uh, probably make okay to make the assumption that WA might come into this competition and struggle against the likes of Queensland and New South Wales and Victoria, who were now in their third championship um, and have been playing for a number of years. But um, as I told my Queensland teammates, do not do not discount this team. And uh, they they came in and they were like seasoned players. The maturity was well beyond their playing playing years. Um, they were absolute athletes out there and real ballers. They hit as hard as anyone. They ran as hard as anyone. Um, and they absolutely belong there. So um, uh, I know Queensland did really, really well in the last the championship um, and we had a few blowout scores, but I can tell you that the scoreboard did not reflect the battle out there. So I was really, really impressed with the maturity, the creativity um, of of the offense as well um, to, I think they really somehow found a way of kind of um, really maturing quite quickly, quicker than I've seen any other league do. So I think that's pretty impressive. Um, goal to have. I think that's a pretty impressive way to come into the, to the competition and I think they did really well. 
Yeah, completely. And, you know, you know, there were, they had a couple of stars out there that probably came out of the woodwork. A couple of them were like lacrosse players. I think Tegan Brown, you know, she was, a, she was a yeah. great, you know, she was a threat out there. Quarterback Lou Devine, uh, you know, killed it, you know, for her first, you know, big stage kind of moment. Um, and you're completely right. I mean, you know, in terms of their, uh, their progression, you know, we found that their only holes were really, if you played, you know, a cover two against their offense, right. Just because Lou hadn't seen it before. And we move into the 2018 to 2019 season from Gridiron West. And they actually ran an 11 aside exhibition match, which was the North, but North versus the South and bliss. You played in one of the very first 11 aside all-star game in the country with your fire and ice uh, series in Victoria how did that you know that 11 aside experience um in your state you know change the way that you saw the game and and how did it prepare you for you know the outback experience yeah well to be honest I actually hated 11 aside football hated it because me being little green fast I just got to the end got to the edges got to the edges really easily when you bring in the extra girls, it just put heaps more people in the box. So then we had to actually navigate our way around. So for me, at the start, it was quite hard, <laughs> really hard. So um, people write nine-man or seven-man football off as, you know, oh, well, that's not really football. So it really felt like we were in it, you know, competing, you know, proper, you know, at proper NFL football. football. Proper football. Yeah. Yeah, completely yeah. Even right. nine-man or seven-man, still proper. But, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, you look at you look at the, the nine and the seven style kind of game, they do the exact same in rugby, you know, and, and that to a point is a is a great fit for women because, you know, we just love running and getting to the outside. But, you know, you have to say, Christy, I saw you shaking your head there when Bliss is like, I just didn't like it. I couldn't see, uh, you know, it, it was scary to me. Like what what is that experience like for someone, you know, who experienced a lot more of 11 aside football? Um, just the, uh, the O-line, the creativity of the O-line, what the O-line can do for you. And um, what I learned, and Liz, I was pro- probably in theory would have agreed with you, um, but you have that that extra, that uh, on the outside there, you have those extra people there. That means that D-end has to work so much harder. In nine aside, I find um, getting, out of, getting out of dodge, getting out of that backfield, a defensive end only has to take a couple of steps and they're already in the backfield with you. It gives you so much more as a running back it is just like I, I know that there's there's probably less grass but when you see that o-line working as a unit and beautiful to watch so I can totally understand why bliss was was thinking oh this will be harder but in so many ways it just takes it to the next level and just allows for that creativity it's awesome because we, uh, we as running backs get the best seat in the house so especially over in WA like you know their running back still you know we're really, really good at nationals. So, you know, it goes, it comes from a fundamentals point of view. And I guess when we're talking about fundamentals, you know, I think a lot of people overlook being able to see the field. And as we know, seeing the field doesn't happen until like your third or, you know, at least your third year before you start actually conceptualizing what's about to happen on the field. And I guess, you know, what's a really interesting point about GW is that they actually don't play special teams after a touchdown, which is mainly due to safety reasons which I can completely understand with, um, you know, because I've, you know, suffered from, a, you know, an injury in a, a special teams play. But, Beck, we've spoken, spoken a heap, um, you know, about how special teams are that third phase of the game and it's so underrated. What's your thoughts on this rule for GW? I mean, I can understand that GW have this um, duty of care 
to their players and making sure that they're making the game as safe as possible. But I feel like um, special teams wouldn't be a part of the game if it didn't make a difference. Do you know what I mean? So like special teams is just, it can be a game changer if you have a big special teams play. So to not be able to have the opportunity to kick an onside um, kickoff or to, you know, recover the ball or, you know, getting good field position and stuff like that for your offense or your defense coming out is a complete game changer. So it's, it's very strange that they don't do it over there. And I think they're missing out. Like, I think, special teams is important on both sides of the ball. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. Um, I absolutely think that special teams is uh, the, the momentum changer. I think uh, special teams is underrated a lot of the times. Um, has anyone ever been at training and uh, special team training is an afterthought or just before your first game kind of deal? And I think that that overlooking special teams, special teams particularly, I love um, in the kickoff at second and second half. Um, I reckon that first few minutes of the second half will tell you how that game is going to end. I've always believed that. I absolutely think that's an element of game that is overlooked generally. And I understand the safety issue and that comes first and foremost. But I think, I mean, we're talking about playing the full 11 aside. You want to have the full gamut of, of the, um, the, the game. And that is a big part. Um, I absolutely love special teams. I would I agree with you, Christy, but coming from um, a coaching perspective, when I tell the girls, all right, let's work special teams, their first question is, do we have to? They hate it. I don't know why, but the girls hate special teams. But you don't understand how important that, you know, these teams can be. But yeah, totally agree. But from the players' perspective, I hate it. Bliss, I've got something for you, a coaching cue. Tell them that it's a that it can be a definite highlight real creator if you want it to be. But <laughs> that'll get them interested. Yeah. I mean, coming from a bit like I, you know, I've won I've won a championship off a special teams touchdown, you know. So I completely understand that momentum changer. And I speak so highly of special teams. You know, you have to be that little bit kind of crazy to play special teams, right? Um but at the same time, like, I don't know how you could potentially change the game to still have those elements of an advantage um, by removing it. I don't see how it's possible, like, putting the you know, putting the ball on the 25-yard line every time. Like, where's, where's the advantage coming from then, like? But do you think that, like, girls are not liking special teams and hating it because we aren't or coaches aren't putting enough focus on it? We're not training. We're not being shown how to take on blocks or how to run down the field full pace like it's not something that we practice all the time and it's not something that we put a lot of emphasis on at training like you said you know it's kind of like a pre-game thought this is the lineup this is what you've got to do so maybe in order to keep it safe and to make girls appreciate it a little bit more we need to put more emphasis on it and highlight how much of a game changer it can be and how it can flip momentum and be a highlight reel for other girls as well. 100% 100% agree. Um, and again, it goes back to that coaching point because there is technique. There is uh, obviously plays for special teams and they have to be treated as important as an offensive play or a defensive play. Um, and I know when I was in Chicago, um, Coach K actually called his kick return play the score team. 
because that was what they were on there to do. Um, so uh, it's a it's a mindset, absolutely is a mindset. And um, it starts with, yes, the coaching and the technique, but also understanding the value and the advantage that um, special teams plays in the game. Yeah, completely agree. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, I know, uh, you know, Kelly Hopkins actually put in a motion to get the game changed to be, you know, to match the men because they've been playing those modified under-19s rules um, for a long time. And and I guess when they're playing a, a set of rules that's different to the rest of the country, they're going to be in a disadvantage when it comes to, to nationals, as other teams have their, their weaknesses as well. I mean, look in New South Wales, uh, you know, we haven't played any 11-a-side football. So if Nationals was to move to 11 aside, you know, that would be our disadvantage. So in 2021, uh, Gridiron West season kicked off just a couple of weeks ago um, and with changes in the teams due to merging and unmerging of the clubs, um, which we see, you know, so often in the women's game. Championships overall for, uh, you know, for GW, we've got the Blitz and the Broncos and the Vipers both have a championship each. But the ones that are still around, we've still got our Perth Broncos, you've got the Curtain Saints, you've got the Swan City Titans, we've got the West Coast Wolverines, We've got the Rockingham Vipers, uh, Claremont Jets, and the Hills Valkyries. And as far as I can see, the standard of football down there has just really stepped stepped up from the live stream games that we've had. And you know, shout out to Gridiron West because in terms of women's representation across their comp, they've led the way. Um, you know, for a couple of years now, they've got a fem- They had the first female head coach for the Broncos and Kelly Hopkins, um, who was supported by an all female coaching staff. Um, you know, where I haven't seen seen that sort of representation in our game ever and in 2020 we have seen three women come as club presidents and the first female white hat to come out of GW in Pamela Tuft so I guess I'm going to throw this to you guys like what is stopping more women from stepping into these roles across the country because I know that there are women who are ready and who are capable of doing so. Bliss, thoughts? Um, I think it's probably more sort of like education um, knowing that um, Players that are either retiring and want to go into the coaching role, they don't know how to get their foot in the door. Um, where I would think that if you were going to a, staying in your club or going to a different club and being like an assistant or a positional coach to start off with and then building your knowledge that way, um, I don't think there's a lot of education out there um, unless you go do it yourself, like um, the coach Anthony Stone um football courses you know, the um, GA accreditation like course and the adverse tackling and yeah, all that sort of stuff yeah I mean that, that's all out there Christy yeah. what's what's your opinion like I mean you know we've seen subcommittees for women's leagues and all that sort of stuff but I don't think and I, you know correct me if I'm wrong but I don't think there's ever been a a female club president in GQ or GV and I know there hasn't been one in in New South Wales like what's what's stopping women from stepping up into that that sort of role, because as far as I'm concerned, you have to be in those positions to be able to make that change. Absolutely agree with you. Um, and my theory, and just a personal theory, just a personal opinion, is that um, because women are so new to the game, and obviously a lot of our leagues we're tacked on to men's league who have been around for a while. So I think in a lot of cases, um, women in the game feel like they're still very much new. 
Um, so therefore, don't think that they could hold a seat at the table, so to speak. Um, and what I've found is I've been at a seat at the table and I've seen some others and they, they bring a different perspective. We have a different game, but we also understand the women's game better than any of the, the men that um, that run any of these leagues as well. And I think it's um, a, a little bit of so, – so for me, people always ask if I'm going to be a coach, um, uh, you know, in my next – phase if I ever get off the field. Um, and I think that's sometimes a little bit um, close-minded um, to think that player just goes to coach because that isn't always the, the right transition for people. Um, I think it's about looking about where, where the gaps are and where people are needed and it's not necessarily on the sideline. It's sometimes in, in, in making those big decisions on GA, on GQ, on GV, whatever board it is, um, subcommittee or committee or whatever it is, um, that can actually influence and have a voice heard. It doesn't just have to be sideline and knowing every rule of the game. It's understanding... Um, planning, action, getting people to do things, making the right decisions, those sorts of things that women are extremely good at and can play a part in. I think that's my theory. I think that they feel like they have to know the ins and outs of everything to be able to be an expert in which to sit at any table. Yeah, completely agree. And we see that so commonly in women. It, it's, you know, it's that whole you will apply for your job. And, you know, if you only, if you if you meet 80% of the criteria, you're still less likely to apply than a man who only fits, you know, 60% of the criteria. So, I mean, that that's that's sort of, it's typical and I completely see where you're coming from. Beck, you got, you got anything to add to this one? Um, no, I kind of agree with everything that said. I think education is definitely one of those ones we feel undereducated, which goes to, you know, like Christy said, not knowing everything that we need to know or feeling like we know everything we need to know to be able to step into that role. It's definitely intimidating, especially when you are going to join on a board that is predominantly men who have been around and are kind of set in their way. So they don't necessarily take on new ideas or new suggestions around the women and the women's team becomes a little bit difficult, but yeah, everything that Bliss and Christy said is pretty much on point. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, shout out to GW. You guys are leading the way in terms of female representation. And I guess for anyone out there who's a little bit uh, who want to step onto that sort of role, definitely reach out to some of these guys. You know, they're in our community. So, um, you know, let's pull all of our resources and let's get this done. You know, the only way to make these changes is to be in these positions. So have your say, take your seat at the table and be the change that you want to see. So let's move on to our final segment of the night. Let's uh, rapid fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. All right, tonight's a good one. We all jumped onto YouTube and we checked out the 2020 West Bowl between the Rockingham Vipers and the Perth Broncos. And we wanted to tell you guys about our highlights of tonight. So, Christy, what do you got as your highlight out of the 2020 West Bowl, the best of the West? Well, I'm going to go back to my roots here and running the ball and, I, and I'm and i all about, I've spoken about it a couple of times, I'm all about momentum changes or momentum keepers. So I think Adrian Acker, number 22 from the Vipers, she did some really big, good key runs and, man, can she run. I loved it. And, yes, the running back at me was cheering all the way. So this, this game was, you know, it was edge of the seat kind of game, came down to the last two minutes. Beck, I'm going to hail Mary this one to you. What's your pick for the best of the West? 
Yeah, I was super impressed by their defense coming out in the third quarter. Um, the Vikings started with Vipers, sorry, Vipers started with the ball. Um, and then they come up with a really quick turnover, intercepting the ball and giving their offense really good field position with potential to score and even the game. I was super impressed by that defense and that momentum change. Yeah, nice. Bliss, what do you got? Well, actually, my um, highlight was actually from both teams. So both teams, their first play coming out did trick plays. Yeah, and um, Viper's handy having, you know, an Oz representative QB as a, as a wide receiver. So that was pretty handy to, you know, Cubist to, to throw that, that trick play. So it was, yeah, that was my highlight. It happened right at the start of the game. And that's aggressive. That's aggressive. You know, when both teams on offense come out with a trick play, that speaks of confidence. You know, you come out and you're like, yeah. damn, all right, okay, throwing everyone off guard. This is going to be an interesting game. And, uh, you know, for me, I have to I have to really nail down my highlight um, for, for Kelly Hopkins. I mean, the chick played both ways. She dislocated many, many a thing. She was injured. She was beat up. She was coaching. She was everywhere. She kind of, uh, I mean, the pain that she must have gone through that day just to lose by two points in the final two minutes would have been heartbreaking. But, you know, shout out to to everyone who was involved in that game. It, it was a, if you get the chance to watch it, jump onto YouTube and uh, check it out because I swear it was one of the most entertaining, you know, grand finals that I've seen in the last little while. But and there's been some good ones out there. That's, I guess, all we've got time for tonight, you guys. And I just want to thank my amazing panel again for signing on for a season. We're talking all things women in gridiron and helping spread the word about the game we love. You'll be hearing from a couple of our other states um, and then episodes with teams throughout this season. So stay tuned and download, download, download. Check us out on the socials. We're on all platforms. Share this episode with family and friends. And until next week, we will see you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.